Now in part two of this episode, we are putting on our life jackets. We are getting on program, hopping off the Narcina 5, and we are going on our deep dive into just how, how we feel about the show and where to go with Star Wars moving forward. So with this uh, just being different from so many projects, what were like your initial feelings uh, that made this project feel special and different? I think for me, um, what I really, really liked about this show was that, and I kind of mentioned this in, in the last episode, that it really gave some humanity to the rebellion. And, and kind of what I mean by that is you, okay, we can use a couple examples. We can use... A New Hope, right? The episode four, the original Star Wars. We can even use like the Avengers as an example, right? And and what I mean by that is you have these stories of either rebellious acts or like groups that are overthrowing powerful enemies or whatever. Usually it's by like special exceptional people, right? Like it's by these, like Luke, for example, when he like destroys the Death Star at the point where he's introduced the rebellion, he was always destined to be that role, right? Like he was chosen by Obi-Wan, by Yoda, even by Bail Organa at the end of Revenge of the Sith, right? To basically be what Anakin was supposed to be, the chosen one or whatever. And so, or with the Avengers example, like who is it that always wins the day for the Avengers? Well, it's it's the Avengers. It's that group of like six that gets extended that always <laughs> um, comes in and saves the day and overthrows the enemy. In this show, it's a lot of regular people standing up and making decisions that, this is wrong and I'm going to do something about it. And it's not like they're trying to like become these, the embodiment of a hero. They're just noticing, Hey, there's something that's really wrong about this. And kind of the, the terminology they use in the show is they've lost their taste for the empire. They see that it's wrong and they just decide to stand up and do something about it. And it's just all of these stories of ordinary people that contributed to the rebellion. And yeah, the final culmination was Luke and the Death Star, but how did we get there? It's by all these ordinary people standing up and making everyday decisions to do something about what they see as wrong. Yeah, Mitch. Yeah, definitely. I definitely like love the show partially for it's much more gritty and realistic feel. Uh, of course, we've all seen the the bombastic, the the amazing tales of the Jedi, badunts, and also just and just like force users in general. But it's also nice to see like a much more human side of things. I think that's partially why everybody loved the Mandalorian so much. It's just like, yeah, you you get you get everything apart from all of the the forest and skywalkers and Tatooine and sand and all that uh nonsense. But uh or good nonsense. But really, like in this case, as you as Jamie mentioned, like it's all about like regular people rising up to fight an empire. Uh there's a lot of themes in the show that were very realistic uh, as Jamie mentioned earlier when it comes to stalking and uh serious domestic abuse as also as i mentioned when the police strolled up in ferrix that that may have major police connotations and just seeing an empire like come in is like hey you're uh like your whole division it's done and we're taking over that 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 is, has really major and realistic like implications that have happened or maybe or probably will happen in in like society today and it's just like man and you get all this in a in a star wars show that's kind of wild that's kind of wild so so yeah it's definitely like more akin to like it's more like adult friendly and more serious of a show and much darker of a show than uh than like what's been shown previously yeah i for me i think the fact that it serves as a prequel, essentially, but since it's not following any characters that we really know about other than Cassian and then like the quick intro for um, Forrest Whitaker's character, everyone's, and Mon Mothma. Yeah, everyone's in play. Everyone can die. So like even with the heist, uh, usually with a heist, it always goes wrong because the heist that goes right isn't, you know, 
as interesting as one that goes wrong and you have to like um operate on the fly just like seeing like so many people die from that was like whoa okay so that it's in play and just even um bix getting taken usually in that situation we see that okay the friend or the quote-unquote love interest of the main character gets taken something happens like a deus ex machina that comes in and just like stops that from happening but it was like no you're gonna get tortured right now um without it being like a fridging situation but just also kind of like y'all say, um, they were sleeping. So for when it started for me, I was like, how far into the empire's reign are we? Like just seeing it because a lot of people, they were like, it's not great, but it's fine. Um, compared to other Star Wars movies where it's like, we see stormtroopers on everything. And then uh, the uh, Jedi masters are like, you have to save us immediately now because you see it. And it's like death stars and everything. Um, but with this, it was just like, it's not fun, but you know, we can essentially rise above it. But it was just like so different from that perspective. And meet what you said, like real connotations. Like the Aldani episode, the way they were talking about like the Aldani people was like, whoa. Like literally just like this is how some people actually talk about real people in real life. Just like substitute the names of it. So that that was something that stood out to me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I actually want to like bring up a really like valid question because of the fact like hey this was like so different it's like is is it now a time for to have like more adult friendly Star Wars uh media I think it's about that time I would say that not necessarily because the appeal of Star Wars from the very beginning is oh we're in a galaxy far far away lightsabers um fighting troops the force like that that is the essence of Star Wars. Obviously, it's a lot deeper than that. But like to take that kid-like adventure of it, there's a sense of adventure in every Star Wars movie, which is like kind of the key to it. But I will say that it really hit home. Um, they made the plot mean something. So like even with the Mandalorian, um, with Mando's relationship, with if you haven't seen it, I'll say Baby Yoda, just so you can understand. But just like so like we understand that relationship and it's a lot of adventure and it's not as dark as Andor, but it's like one of the most beloved shows partially because of baby yoda but also because of their relationship and just like the growth of that character so it doesn't need to be breaking bad star wars but i would say just like mixing it in every time and i'm going to get into like the quote-unquote trilogies that didn't happen later but we can go from there yeah I think it depends on what you mean when you say like adult friendly like what like as if you're talking like blood and gore then well there's Game of Thrones for that or like if you're talking you know like there's a lot of different shows that kind of fill yeah. that type of stuff whereas I think kind of like what uh Demetrius was saying is that like you've got the essence of Star Wars that is kind of like the core of what it means to be Star Wars. And I think like you still need to have that pervading through the different stories, even how far, you know, even if you get far removed from the central saga of episodes one through six or whatever, I think, um, I think there's a beauty to the story of Star Wars that it's like, you know, it's kind of what well, movies themselves kind of serve for escapism, right? That there's an innocence to them that they help us see an ideal world that maybe we don't always feel we can have in the real world. And I think there's there's an element of that, that, you know, it's nice when things actually work out the way that they're supposed to in the end. That's that's some of what brings us back to movies. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it just depends on what you mean by adult, because in in terms of even how this was a darker, grittier show than the other ones have been, I think it fits because it gives you kind of like we were saying earlier, an actual feel for the struggle of what the rebellion is. So I think in, I think it just is, it's how you tell the story, I guess that's where I'm getting. Yeah. 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 I think like what I was mainly getting at was, as you mentioned, like the much more grittier feel, like I just didn't think of that word at the moment, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, grittier type of Star Wars and much more <laughs> grounded, if you will. Yeah. And like with this again, like you feel the stakes, like if you make a mistake, you die. Like that's the end of it. Or even if you succeed kind of like in the prison break arc, you die because you can't swim. Something heartbreaking like that. And I felt like even in the newer trilogy, that is like a fantasy that we don't talk about a lot. But and I believe it's. Trilogy? Yes. So in The Last Jedi, 
one of the dumbest parts of that movie is when um, the ship gets shot and Leia gets blown out into space. And then all of a sudden she comes back in and it's like, oh, she just used the force to come back. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then in the very next movie, Rise of the Skywalker, they quote unquote kill Chewbacca. And then like five minutes later, we see he's fine. Like it removed the space. There's a lot of other issues with those that trilogy, um, but we'll just keep going. So yeah, even with this, we can talk about like the different kind of villain that we saw in this TV show. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I don't feel like there was one central villain, you know, because obviously, yeah, you still have the 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 empire itself kind of is the entity that's acting as the villain, which is made up of a bunch of, you know, individual characters that are making their individual decisions. And so I guess that's kind of another interesting thing we can say about the show is in the same way that it humanizes the rebellion it kind of adds a little bit of depth to the empire in terms of like, okay, it's not just Palpatine up here pulling strings and making all these decisions, which we know he is still doing, but you actually kind of see more of the ground level is how does the empire actually function day to day. And it's interesting how different Dedra kind of is in her approach to things, because we see a lot of the male officers kind of in the gung-ho shoot first, ask questions later, or just kind of go all in, go forward type of mentality instead of the more Palpatine style of no let's sit back let's observe all the pieces let's move our chessboard and so that was kind of interesting but I think even just there's not like one principal villain because you kind of think it's going to be Cyril because he's the overzealous one that fits the profile and then it's kind of Dedra but then there's points where you're actually kind of impressed with her and rooting for her to succeed just a little bit because of how brilliant she is and going about what she's doing but it's also kind of the whole ISB board but even within that, you kind of see Dedra's struggle against this environment that she's in because, one, she's trying to break a glass ceiling and get people to actually listen to her and take her seriously because she is right, but they don't always take her seriously right away. And so you kind of see the struggle of the villains as well as the struggle of the rebels and kind of all the different human elements of those things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely like how when it came to the villains of of this franchise, or at least this series, they seem much more kind of like people you would actually encounter in real life. Like, you know, like you could probably think of a Daedra Miro. Uh, it's like somebody who you perhaps like seen like who's a go getter and trying to like climb up the ranks and you're semi rooting for for that person to do so until they start messing with the people you like and then that's that's when it's like oh yeah i forgot you you're actually a villain dang it uh but but even that doesn't like devoid them of like their humanity or at least completely unlike palpatine uh but when it comes to to like other villains like definitely seeing like more as you say like we know we could probably think of a a cyril karn Perhaps not to that extent, at least I hope you don't know a Cyril to that extent, but like somebody who's like so by the books that that it just irks you to no end or in some in some cases, you may even see like Luthen as like a mini kind of antagonist, especially like towards the end where he's like, yeah, you like you see his very radical uh, perspective and you see how like, all right. In order to make sure that all my loose ends are tied up, I'm gonna go kill this, kill our main character, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 hold on! I, I thought we were good, sir." And then and you realize, "Nah, nah, I'm so, I'm just in it for the rebellion." Also, he sacrificed that entire um squad just so like he can keep the plan in place. Yep. Yeah, that was gonna be kind of my next point. I brought up on him was that like he well, and really part of the reason that he gives up. Um, that group one is because Krieger has ties back to him and you know mm. well actually no Krieger doesn't I think isn't that what it is Krieger doesn't have ties to him versus Saw does have ties back to him and so Luthen's like well if I give them up even if Krieger gets captured it can't come back to me and so one he sacrifices I think it's like 50 men to protect yeah. his mole inside the ISB but then secondly you kind of see the cost of a rebellion of really like weighing kind of coming back to that idea of is the good of the many or is the good of the few more what we're trying to weigh here and often I feel like in superhero shows you see people not willing to sacrifice a few but that's very different in this show even for who we know are supposed to be the good guys which is the rebellion 
that, that must be tough for you considering your guy is Captain America. And if they would have took out Vision in the first five minutes of the movie, there would be no Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. But you may but, never know. He might have uh, got that time stones like, oh, wait, I made a true. Yeah. Let's just rewind but time hey, right back where we started. We don't trade lives, right? We don't That's trade true. lives. Except for Luthen. But like, even with yeah. a different villain with this, I think it's an evil that you can understand. Um, with like the other movies and just like even Rogue One with the Death Star and then the bigger Death Star, how original. Um, so like with that, it's just like, you can't really, com- like obviously it's evil to destroy an entire planet, but it's like, me, you and me, Meech, being anime fans, like we watch Dragon Ball Z. Frieza just destroys planets left and right. But and it's like, wow, that's evil. But like we as normal humans can't understand an, an entire planet getting destroyed like that. But we can't understand, like, again, the Aldani scene, like all of us being minorities. We know what that's like to have like or at least like someone to talk about what we are in that way and what we can't do because of that. And just even. um Besides that, like he mentioned with the Corpos is coming in, the ISB coming in, just occupying, it's an evil you can understand. Like even in different places around the world where it's just like, it's not necessarily evil Sith Lords, it's just tyranny and oppression that keeps you down and your everyday life. So it's like something where for me, from that emotional standpoint, like I can mention, it's like, I can understand that. Um, and just, yeah, that was definitely tough with just like, okay, seeing the villain. So that makes you even more rooting for the heroes in a sense. Yeah. Well, I think even, even with the villains, like it's, it's evil. That's not inherently evil. If that makes sense. Like a lot of villains that we get usually like it's, they're not humanized. It's like, they're just inherently like all they are is bad to the core. Like Sidious, for example, we'll use him because again, classic example there. Um, there's like not a good bone in his body. There's nothing redeemable about him because that's who he's been set up for us to believe versus this organization. Well, an organization in itself isn't exactly inherently evil. It's the leadership and where you go with it and X, Y, Z. Now, that being said, I feel like the more we get into um, the empire being used in Star Wars, the more connections and ties they kind of make to like the Nazis, Um, which I mean, there's a lot of that in general. I feel like that was even back when they made them originally, there was ties there. Absolutely. But yeah, exactly. And so, but, I, and I feel like the more they go on, the more they kind of tie it there. But even then, if we look at Nazi Germany, like it's a lot of people that didn't have the presence of mind to pay attention to what they were really signing up for when they mm-hmm. signed up, you know? And so, and didn't realize until it was too late or for whatever reason, either realized and didn't do anything or whatever, but just following orders. Exactly, exactly. Too many people just putting their head down and following orders and thinking that this is this great thing because it's not hurting me, right? It's not hurting me. So it can't be that bad. So I think that's kind of what we see in this show too. Yes, which is absolutely evil. That's just how it persists, essentially, <laughs> the, the quietness of it. And there's one thing I wanted to point out, Meech, <laughs> that we talked about in the Obi-Wan episode. And I noticed there wasn't a lot of the that you know this was a very diverse show there wasn't a lot of backlash cultural speaking i'm starting to see a trend and i don't like it because the dark sister got the backlash and then the little mermaid has backlash and then um when we saw game of thrones the valerians got backlash just know i'm watching i see the trend that's happening can, can we add that cyril is basically the exact same character as um yeah, that's like the other sister, like in I for some reason third can't sister. remember what her name was. Yeah, as third, third sister, sister was. Yep. Like he's exactly the same character traits as her. Now, of course, I'm obviously 100 percent against him. So because he's a trash character. But anyway, like where where is the backlash against Cyril? Why is there so many people rooting for Cyril when he's so terrible, like so legitimately terrible and has exactly the same character traits that everybody was hating on um Moses for? Like, why? Mm. I'm just saying we we see what's happening here. We we see we see it we see it we see it, and I, I all I know is that that people were very quiet about the show, very quiet. That's, yes. all, that's all I gotta say. So moving on, let's get to the thank God for less Tatooine and not relying on nostalgia. 
Oh yes, no more sand. Oh thank goodness, because uh, <laughs> I I gotta I gotta say there's been so much in terms of like seeing sand. I actually like of course for my own personal time I have actually have like a list of like all the Star Wars like shows and properties. Let me tell you about all the ones that contain sand. I'm AKA Tatooine or any sand based planet. We got Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. The Clone Wars, Revenge of the Sith, you got, uh, we got, uh, wait, Obi-Wan, yeah, we got Rebels, uh-huh. you got, <laughs> you got A New Hope, Imp, wait, no, wait, not Empire, my bad, Empire. My, my bad, Return, my bad, Mandalorian, <laughs> Boba Fett, <laughs> and then we got the, and then we got a supposed, uh, trilogy, a supposed sequel trilogy that's called uh, Force Awakens uh, and Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker. I n- I never heard of those in my entire <laughs> life, but but do you see like how how many are just based on that one planet of Tatooine? And I'm just like, fam, we got an entire Star Wars galaxy out here. To be fair, though. A lot of the shows that you mentioned have characters, like, if Anakin is in, like, seven of those shows, he has a direct tie to it. So, some of these characters have direct ties to Tatooine where it makes sense. So some of it, yes, it's just for nostalgia, but sometimes it makes sense. So, so he's saying that um, that, that uh, Din Djarin has ties to Tatooine? <laughs> uh, okay, okay. But, uh, but yeah, to, so... To Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba, yes, Boba has ties. That's what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Boba has ties, so that, that directly translates backwards to... <laughs> Yeah, so it's a den. All right, I see how it is, but but yeah, so it's like when it comes to that, like we have an entire Star Wars galaxy, we have so many planets that haven't even been touched, stuff that's only been mentioned in novels, stuff that's only been seen in the expanded universe, which is the only canon, and and we just haven't seen anything. Hey, hey, we've only seen Mustafar three times. Three times. I want to see more of my favorite lava world. All right, and, and no, I do not count that uh that other thing. But uh, but yeah, there's so many. Like, I don't think we've explored all of the outer rim, uh, much if at all. So like, hey, why haven't we gone back to Umbara with <laughs> with one of the darkest arcs in Clone Wars? Okay, why why haven't we gone back there? Like, there's so much to tell. There's I know each planet has their own culture, their own lore, and everything like that. So why haven't we gone back there? Because of nostalgia. Yeah. I when you wrote this, it literally hit my soul when you put no less no no more tattooing. I was like, yes. Because I was literally thinking that, like, even with Boba Fett, he would always go, oh, when the waters used to hit the sands of Tatooine (laughs) and just like that. And like it's just nostalgia in general. Like, I know like we say that, okay, the the new sequel. To be honest with you, I didn't, I liked the first two. And then the third one was just like so off the rails for me um, on the, the new sequels. But with, um, what was it? The Force Awakens. I liked it, but I was like, wow, it was really good to watch episode four again. Um, just with a lot of the callbacks and just like, it didn't feel too original. Um, and I feel like when we talk about like requels, reboots and sequels, kind of like we mentioned, Meech, in like our very second episode, it's just like when you are hamstrung by nostalgia, you always know, like even with Obi-Wan, it's like Obi-Wan can't die, Anakin can't die, young Leia can't die, these senators can't die. Um, you decided not to kill the third sister. Okay, we know that this other character can't die. So with Andor, it was just like, again, almost anybody's on the table, but also you don't have to tie into like, this needs to happen in order for this needs to happen. It's like you're telling a new story the entire time. So you like, even going to different places like the eye and Aldani, such a beautiful scene. Um, seeing um, Arkina Five like a prison, mm-hmm. that's cool. Go- going to Florida where he got arrested was a really <laughs> cool scene. And just like exploring the universe, like I want to see that. I don't want to see like uh, just the sands of Tatooine every time. It's like very boring and ugly when you're in a galaxy far, far away. I'm going to go a little bit different direction on this only because I do really love the nostalgia, but I love it when it's done tactfully. 
So I don't mind all of the callbacks to, you know, what's already been established because, you know, that's the story that I fell in love with is the story of Anakin and all that business. So I love just the same way that I love how the new Marvel movies still reference the early ones. Like, I love it. It's a callback to like something that you know that you love that's valuable to you. So in that sense, I haven't minded so much the nostalgia and coming back to Tatooine. Because like, even in The Mandalorian, like that one episode where we came back, it was like, oh my gosh, like this is so cool because this is, I know this place and this is familiar. And so, yes, I do agree that it'd be cool to explore more new and different worlds. But I do like some of the callbacks that we have, even if it's, I kind of like, well, actually, this is what I really like about Dave Filoni is that I love the way that Dave just has this beautiful ability to tie together kind of past, present, future Star Wars all in this like beautiful bundle. Um, he does it really well in Rebels. He did it really well in the episodes that he has for Mandalorian. This is another reason I'm super excited for Ahsoka because that's like his baby. Um, but like, I just love the way the way that you can kind of tie the world together. So it still feels like you're in the realm of Star Wars. I'm sorry, but um, still feels like you're in the realm of Star Wars, but it's different enough that you're like, okay, this is different and we're branching out. Like, um, what was the example I just thought of? Um, there's a, oh, or like seeing seeing Alderaan, for example, in Kenobi show. Like that was cool to actually see Alderaan and, and as an actual place instead of just like the quick glimpse at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. So I like the exploration, but I do also like having the little pieces of nostalgia. Now, what works for me in this show is I feel like Luthen Shop was that. I feel like that was the perfect way to tie in the little nostalgic elements because, you know, the things that you know and loved, if you knew what to look for, you recognize them and you're like, oh my gosh, I know what that is. Um, so I think there's elements of both that are good. Yep. Yeah, I like how you mentioned like tactfully putting it in. <clears throat> for me, it was more like if it controls the entire story, I don't really like uh, callbacks like that. So with this, we, uh, oh, one thing that we always like to do, we like to give our guests a nickname. So do you have one? Oh, yeah. oh boy. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like nicknames are better when they're given to you rather when you <laughs> do them yourself. <laughs> That's my opinion. Is it Sith Lord Steech? <laughs> Maybe, Meech? Mm. <laughs> Mm, Sith uh, Lord Steach. I can't choose the Sith though. That's that's not not my preference. Maybe, nah, I I think she's more like Jamie, the daughter of Ferrix. <laughs> oh man. Just continuing on. What are some of our hopes for the current projects? We know that uh, the next one, at least, will be Mandalorian season three, and then just we mentioned a few. Just carrying on. Uh, yeah, so definitely when it comes to Mando season three, uh, probably one of my biggest hopes is, uh, at least when I saw the trailers, like seeing more of the Mandalorian culture, seeing like Dean finally get to like actually see Mandalore, you know, like you, you saw like a taste, he got a taste of it with uh, with Bo-Katan, but now that he has that dark saber. And now that mm. he he technically is the ruler of Mandalore, it would be awesome for him to see the see the planet, see the peoples, or at least like be able to be with in the Mandalorian culture and be able to like know what that's all about. So he's like, yeah. So he's not just a uh, what was it, a child of the Watch, but or like part of Death Watch or anything. But he's like, nah, I'm Mandalorian through and through, baby. And if we see more yeah. Force users, then I'm I'm cool with it too. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that touches on something with the Mandalorian that like that's something that always bothered me about Din Djarin is like he claims the identity of a Mandalorian, but he has no appreciation of the culture whatsoever. And then when he has like real Mandalorians show up, he has the audacity to act like that's his identity and not theirs and say that they are not real Mandalorians when it's literally Bo-Katan Kryze, who is like the sister of literally the Duchess of Mandalore. Like her family is one of the most important Mandalorian families and one of the oldest Mandalorian families. And he has the audacity to tell her that she's not a real Mandalorian. Excuse me. So anyway, yes, that's something I would like is for him to actually learn the culture of Mandalore and kind of grow a deeper appreciation for it. I think he kind of starts to get there in season two, but I'd like to see more of that from him. And of course we know that, um, again, baby yoda just in case that's a for anybody um <laughs> we know that he's kind of come back into the story that's maybe a minor spoiler but i mean if you haven't watched this point then 
whatever. My heart. <laughs> and he jumped into his arms. My son. I know. I, know. I, re- I rewound that like 10 times. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So, like, we know that he's kind of left. Luke, Luke gave him a choice. He left. And so we know he's going to be back in the story. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what kind of adventures that they take this year. Maybe this is going to be the story of reuniting and rebuilding Mandalore. That could be really cool. But who knows? Maybe there's a different direction. Maybe there's future team-ups with, I don't know, people like Ahsoka in the future. Mm-hmm. Yes. And speaking of which, so we also know that the Acolyte, it's either coming out next year or 2024, not sure yet um, on my end, but also Ahsoka. So both are two projects that I'm super excited for. The Acolyte, I'm not too, I don't know too much information about like, I think I know the time period that I saw when I was doing research, but not too sure about just the story overall. Ahsoka is one that's going to go crazy. Um, That's going to be hype. Ahsoka is easily a top 10 I want to say top five, but we did our top five meets that one time, and there are a lot of great Star Wars characters. So, but for a lot of people, she would make the top five. Ahsoka is definitely that that person. And then we know that Andor season two is twenty twenty four. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think on the acolyte, I saw a description for that recently that I would I didn't really have any feelings about it until I read this description. But apparently, it's supposed to be set a hundred years before I think the events of the prequel trilogy and it's the story of how the Sith infiltrated the Jedi temple or the Jedi order or something like that so I'm like okay that has my attention so a little little anticipation there we finally get to see the tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise we finally get I I hope I pray (laughs) that we finally get to see the tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise that cast going crazy too because that's the dude from Squid Game Oh, it's about to go dummy. It's also got Carrie Ann Moss from the uh, Netflix um, Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. He was uh, one of the lawyers in both Jessica Trinity Jones from, and uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. From and she's, yep, she's in the Matrix. Ooh, that's going to be good. And yeah. then yeah. just also, also from the movie perspective, these are not confirmed, but something that was kind of on the radar. There was going to be a Patty Jenkins movie next year called Rogue Squadron. That got delayed i don't know how long it got delayed or if it's even going to happen now also rian johnson who made the was it last, last jedi, jedi. Last jedi. Made last mm-hmm. jedi which was panned but i don't think it's the worst of the trilogy um he has his own new trilogy so i'm interested to see how people react to that and then before you go also taika watiti is supposed to have a movie People have become traitors and turned on him ever since Love and Thunder, even though I had the same tone of Ragnarok. So what are your opinions on that? Yeah, well, I feel, okay, for, for the Ryan Johnson bit, I feel, I feel like he's actually a really good director. So on rewatching, again, a lot of those sequels, my, my biggest disappointment in the sequels is that there's just literally no story. There's no plot. There's no coherent writing whatsoever. But I feel like the rest of it was actually could have been something good now what i will say about ryan johnson is on rewatching the last jedi the directorial things that he does are really brilliant it's just the story is like what what are you doing man so i think if he has help with writing i think he's a fantastic director i think it's just the writing that's gonna have to have some mm-hmm. you know screening of it <laughs> but anyway so and then yeah taika He's, I feel like he has a very specific flavor. So I think they just would have to be smart about what kind of story they give to him, you know, because I think you, there's room to tell the kind of stories that he likes to do in Star Wars. I think you just have to give him the right story. What if they did a Bad Batch movie? <laughs> now Bruh. that could be fun. That Bruh. could be really uh, fun. Meech, what's wrong? Bruh, I, would, I, would, <laughs> I would watch that in a heartbeat, my guy. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, what were your opinions on this? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Confirm? Oh, yeah. So in my case, uh, like when I saw the Ryan Johnson trilogy, I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. And then like I saw the premise that, that he supposedly had, which was it was supposed to be said like long after the sequels are over. So so it's like uh, apparently like no connections to like anything from the past. I'm like, huh, that could actually turn out to be something good have something completely untethered you just literally do whatever you want like you can make uh, all the expanded universe canon again just just said i'm just saying i'm just saying uh give give me abeloth just give me abeloth give me jaina solo just do whatever just give me just give me something just give me something good give me give me revan i'm just saying 
Yeah. Yeah. I, definitely. I'd be interested in it. Um, I didn't know about the extended universe kind of like you two did. So, and then when Meech, cause like with Luke, I know that was a big contention about his story arc. I mostly just hated that he became a force, force ghost at the end, but I kind of understood like the, the gunslinger mentality of like, Oh, I used to be this hero. Life has changed me. Now I'm kind of like, wrote. it's a common movie trope that happens. And then when Meech, you explained the extended universe to me, I was like, Oh, okay. Now I understand why people are mad, but I think just like, if you give him the freedom to do it, I mean, he literally had the second movie in a trilogy. So it's kind of like that has to be the connector movie and the rise of and you can very much tell that three different people wrote three different scripts for three different movies instead of one coherent script. So that was yeah. a big problem. Let me tell you, Rise of the Skywalker, people literally laughed when, um, like what you mentioned, when they found out that she was a, a Palpatine. It was like, what? That was one of the dumbest movie plots. And then when they kissed, like people almost puked in the theater. It was a disgusting scene um, from writing perspective. But mm -hmm. with that, I think like there's definitely a, a vision but what we did with DC earlier in the season is I was an executive and I made a call, um, asked Meech to kind of give us direction for DC. And immediately after that, DC started making changes that were exactly what she said. So um, let's see if we have the same results. So I'm going to make a call to Jamie, daughter of Ferrix. Hello? Uh, is this Jamie, daughter of Ferrix? Yes, this yes. is her. So this is the Fallen Shinigami. I work for Lucas Films under uh, Disney at the moment. So we've kind of had some progress uh, in our shows. We kind of went a little bit of direction movie-wise. The last three movies didn't do what we expected, you know, but our TV shows are doing good. So we just kind of wanted to see if we could give a new head of creative what your vision would be for it. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's see. Gosh, that's a good question because I think, you know, as much as I have much love for the extended universe, as much as I really wanted to see characters like Jaina Solo, um, as much as I wanted to see the Yuuzhan Vong Wars and all that played out on screen, I just, I don't know if redoing or taking back the sequel trilogy of Star Wars would be the best direction just because it's, you know, We've already lost Carrie Fisher. May she rest in peace. Um, and so it's hard to kind of take back and undo her last work. But what I said from the beginning, okay, when they announced they were making new movies, is that they should do The Old Republic because there's mm. so much there. It's such an interesting time period. And you don't have to worry about like messing with the story that's already been written. You don't have to mess with too much, you know, of the extended universe. There's already a lot of material that's there. I'm all about let's go in the direction of the old republic. Let's let's explore, you know, the old Sith and Jedi wars. Let's explore how the rule of two came about with the Sith. Let's explore the creation of the Jedi um order and all of the different roles and aspects and things like that that happen in it. So that's that's a really interesting direction I'd like to see them take. I, I definitely see the vision. I, I like that. Um, would you mind if you had someone working under you? I we have a very good creative. Uh, additional assistant, maybe. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, let me just call them real quick. Hello. Is this the rogue Jedi? I am him. Uh, so I I know that I offered you the the uh, Warner Brothers bag recently with DC, and we just see the results of that have been very good. I currently oh, yes. this is the Fallen Sheen got me just to remind you. Oh yeah. I currently yes, work yes. at. Disney and we have uh, Jamie, daughter of Ferrix on the line as well. We were thinking if you could uh, aid us in the vision of Star Wars moving forward and what your vision might be. Ah, uh, yes, yes, of course, of course. Uh, of course, since I single-handedly fixed DC, I might as well go over to, to the mouse to help fix their problems too. Um, okay, so my vision for the Star Wars brand, I, I, I'm glad that you brought this up to me because I, I just recently had a vision, all right? And my vision is definitely seeing more of the expanded Legends universe canon inserted into films or like taking their own spin on it. So like, for example, Old Republic. We know it. We know it by heart. We love it. We we want to see it. You know, we want to see our boy Revan on screen, played by Keanu Reeves. We want to see 
We want to see uh, Darth, Darth Nihilus running roughshod on a whole galaxy. We want to see Emperor Vitiate. We want to see some greatness. But there are other things that I also would like to see as well. Let's why don't we just just take take a trip with me to to the realm of horror? Okay. Because there are there are two things that I think could definitely work that gives us slightly more a horror feel, and these two concepts are the Blackwing virus and the now now. Hmm. You see, both of which are essentially the same thing. They're they're both essentially infections that infect uh, people and and turn them to essentially zombies. Except one's more biological, being being the Blackwing virus, being an actual virus. You you get yourself a twenty eight days style movie or a Night of the Living Dead type of scenario, or you can go with the now now. That one's more of an actual life form that infects people, and it makes and it's horrifying. It is great. It is it's something that hasn't been done before, and the closest you can probably like that is probably the closest that uh star wars has gotten to the venom symbiote except for the fact that it murders whoever's inside it so uh so yeah uh hey i I definitely would like to say if you if you want if you want me to fix uh dc if you want to fix um marvel you want me to fix up star wars and hey let's go ahead and let's collab on this old republic because i know that the potential is infinite okay we are doing a marvel zombie so i like that vision that you have there so we could pull it in uh so to both of you before i make the offer you know that disney money is different so what's the offer there is no there is no holding us back pay for my medical school and i'll be happy (laughs) i bet easy light work next give me a hundred bandos and uh and a a private island to work on uh, do you want uh, Eastern Hemisphere or Western Hemisphere? Give me, give me the East. All right, bet. All right, thank you for it. Star Wars is in good hands, and I'll, I'll be in contact soon. Yeah, so I, I really like that vision. I definitely want to see the Old Republic. Um, mm-hmm. Just not knowing that um, on my end, I think it'll be like even if it's a super super prequel, kind of like how House of the Dragon was new. A lot of people like that haven't read the books don't know about it, and it was just so interesting a different take different characters that we can fall in love with. And it's so early in time that it doesn't really affect too much, um, just like little things. So it's like, you can tell a new story. Also, I wanna see a Mace Windu story. I know that Sam Jackson is too, kind of too old to do it now, but- They de-aged him in Captain Marvel though. So they could do true. it. That's true. Um, I just wanna see- <laughs> That is so true. Like Indiana Jones looks like a cartoon the way they de-aged him. <laughs> Um, so I just want to see, cause like Michu told me like how we talked about the force before of like light, dark, he actually embodies the gray side of the force. And I would love to see like how that happened. The reason why his lightsaber turned purple, the reaction to him having like lightning force and being able to use that just aspects of it. I think it would be a definitely interesting take. Mm-hmm. I do have to add too, since we didn't really pause to talk about Ahsoka, um, super excited for that show especially given that they've already casted some of the rebels characters to make their debut in live action super excited to see sabine super excited to see ezra um that's gonna be really epic because really before ahsoka showed up in the mandalorian the last time we saw her she was gonna go help sabine look for ezra who was drum roll tied up with grand admiral thrawn way out somewhere with the person cast out into the universe somewhere and again we know that the last time that ahsoka showed up she was looking for grand admiral thrawn that was like the biggest moment i literally screamed (laughs) when watching that episode which he name dropped grand admiral thrawn because having him i think this is going to be his live action debut in this show i really hope they make him the antagonist they're kind of setting it up to be that so this could be really really exciting i think the only question is what time are they going to set it in because we know that ahsoka kind of has this unique connection with the world between worlds so we could even see time jumping in this show depending on the way they decided to go so really excited to see the direction they take this i wonder if we even get like a vader or a flashback to like uh, anakin that would be yeah well and that would make sense right because she's Mm -hmm. got a really really meaningful connection to him as a character so 
excited, excited to see that, especially with kind of the pieces they started adding with Tales of the Jedi with some of her backstory. Oh my gosh, I have to, I have to make the comment that that episode of Anakin like training her to like basically survive being shot at by clones. Like, he yeah. literally trained her to survive Order sixty six, and I was like, I can't handle this. It's too much. Ugh. Anyway, love I need it. More conversation between Luke and Ahsoka. Thank you. Yes. Mm. Yes. So much. Yes. So anything else that we got? Marge Aid. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, we are going to get into our recommendations. What you got? Well, in terms of our Star Wars media, of course, I can recommend none other than every single trilogy, every single movie and every single show. That's all that's all on Disney Plus. So if you want content like that, then boom, you can go ahead and enjoy it. But actually, in terms of YouTube channels, I actually have a couple. First one is Eckhart's Ladder. Uh, EC. K-H-A-R-T-S ladder. He does phenomenal work analyzing just not only just shows, but also different like concepts within the sh- within the Star Wars universe. He analyzes ships, he analyzes like different races, different creatures, even Jedi and everything like that. So definitely go check him out. Uh if you also want to like have something to listen to in the background. Uh, definitely go and check out a fan with too much time. He actually has a series called Star Wars versus Warhammer 40K. Mm-hmm. And he literally crafts out a whole narrative that is still ongoing. And each episode is anywhere from 30 to an hour and 30 minutes. So you definitely have pl- with like multiple episodes and it's it is so intricate and it just makes you go oh my goodness like one of the big like one of the big things because the story takes place during the clone wars and expands out into the original trilogy so you get to see like what ripple effects happen uh all i gotta say is there is something that happens with general grievous i will not reveal because it is just that like oh my goodness because they combined legends canon all of it into one single continuity i'm just like this man is a whole genius so those are some of my recommendations yeah jamie you got any yeah these are gonna kind of come out of left field but i got a couple netflix recommendations for you so firstly um this is another show that's based on a book series i think haven't read the books but the show is really good it's called shadow and bone um it's a really interesting show it's kind of like a it's another one of those kind of set in like a magical fantasy world type thing where you have like some people who have like abilities and some people who don't and kind of like it's kind of like x-men meets fantasy in a way just a little bit um it's really interesting really good they've wrapped filming on season two so i think season two should be premiering like within the next few months i think it should be probably by summer spring or summer of this coming year um first season was really good and again i mentioned i'm a narnia fan so narnia fans will recognize prince caspian ben barnes himself as one of the principal characters in this show he's really fantastic um and then some new faces and then other than that this is this is kind of like a random like cheesy maybe nostalgia type thing so if you are a fan of the last airbender there is a show on Netflix um, that's called, it's like called The Dragon Prince, I think is what it's called. It's a really cheesy, like, kids cartoon show, kind of similar to The Last Airbender. But the voice actor of Sokka is in the show. I um, can't remember what his name is, but he's one of the main characters. And if you are an Airbender fan, um, there's a lot of kind of little subtle references to Avatar that's in it. Um, and so it's it's kind of a cool, just fun, cheesy, different, like, it's not like a serious show, but it's cool. It's got a lot of diversity um, in a lot of different aspects of what it means to be inclusive. Um, it's got, you know, a lot of the classic kind of themes of shows like this, but, and, and it is technically a kid's show. So yeah, it's a little cheesy, but it's a pretty fun watch. So definitely mm-hmm. recommend that too. <laughs> yeah. Recommendations I have, the main ones, Meech already covered them. Every Star Wars uh 
product is on Disney Plus. My recommendation, since Andor is, was what we reviewed, would be Rogue One. And just for a fun one, like we talked about Bad Batch, you'll understand our reaction to <laughs> that when I mentioned that. Um, another one that I wanted to get in what's hot, but just like slipped my mind, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean Part 3, finally released the final part, so you can catch up on that arc. I'm excited for it. Yes, Meech, it finally released after two years. So <laughs> we can get into that. So gone from there, we can get into our plugs. All right. So as for plugs, we, of course, have ourselves our Instagram and our Twitter, which is Blurred City 22. You know, come give us a follow, like our posts and messages and be updated on all our content. We have also our YouTube channel, which is where you can listen to another platform where you can listen to our podcast on, um, which is also Blurred City Pod. And then we have our Patreon, where if you want to donate a little chatter to us, help give us some support, you can get access to many limited episodes that may not have uh, debuted on our channel. So, hey, some extra content for y'all. And then finally... And of course, we have our Discord, which is linked into our uh, Instagram. That's where you can join an amazing uh, citizenship into the amazing city of Blurdom. And that's where you get like many different messages and you can like receive geek out freakouts as well as uh, random fan theories of the week. And you submit those. And then finally, our emails, which is blurredcity22 at gmail.com, where we can submit uh, where you can submit those aforementioned things as well as questions for our Q&A episodes. So definitely go ahead and give us a shout out there. Now, in terms of personal uh, like our personal rec- uh, plugs, I actually started a TikTok and I'm uploading content on there. So come check me out on The Rogue Jedi 21. I upload content every couple of days and you'll definitely be surprised as to what I have in store for everybody who sees it. Yeah, the one video you sent me was very interesting. I love the villain speech that you gave. Uh, for my individual author pages, you can go to my Instagram at Mitri underscore dash. So M-E-T-R-I underscore D-A-S-H. Twitter at the Mad Dash 16. And if you want to check out my book, Phantom Pains and Most Irregular Tell. You can catch that on Amazon. Speaking of going forward into the month of December, next week we are actually doing a book review of my book that came out. Meech and I have never talked about it in the year and a half that it came out, which so that's going to be wild. And we're going to have another special guest. After that, we're going to have our movie review of Avatar The Way of Water. I am shocked that Meech has not seen the first one. And this is going that's going to be a very interesting episode. <laughs> And finally, we're going to have our OVA mailbag episode. So on top of having a very cool conversation about something that that I laid out, we're also taking mailbag from the listeners. So that episode is essentially what you make it. So going from there, do you have any plugs, Jamie? If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can. It's jstheJay, And then Steach is my last name, S-T-E-A-C-H. That's it. I post like twice a year maybe usually about medical school stuff but i post things i'm really excited about my stories so i guess if you really want to give me a follow you can do that all right dope and with that can you also just leave the listeners with some words of encouragement yeah i think the words of encouragement that i would have is kind of taking a cue from Andor, as we've been discussing you know it doesn't take big heroes to make a difference it just takes people being willing to see that something's wrong and stand up and just do the next right thing about it um so yeah thanks yeah thanks for that definitely loved having you on um when mandalorian season three comes out uh just expect another phone call so <laughs> with that for the listeners it's not goodbye forever it's just goodbye for now and that's the blurred city podcast see ya later <laughs>